You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Wednesday, February 21st. I'm excited to debut my Wednesday off-season show today with my Wednesday off-season guest, Coach Desi. How's it? Uh, how, how you doing, Desi? <laughs> well, your stutter is exactly how it's doing. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we're late because of me. I was stuck in traffic, and so it's been a little bit of a rush to get on here, but I am stoked. Um, I think I'm kind of healed from the trauma that was the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for off season. Lots going on. And Definitely a lot going on, so definitely looking forward to having you on to discuss all of it. Um, and you guys may have seen Desi on like other shows, like Eric Crocker's show, for example. If you guys watch the Two Goats show with Mariah and myself on YouTube, uh, you may have seen Desi on there as well. But for my audio listeners, this might be the first time you guys hear of Desi. So, Desi, I'm going to let you introduce yourself uh, you know, to the people who aren't familiar with you. Perfect. Hey guys. So I am Desi. I am a sports injury analyst only because I've been a physician assistant practicing medicine for over 20 years. I spent time in the ER, spent time in the OR and orthopedics and uh, um, just love teaching people about anatomy physiology and just found this nice space where I love football, love um, sharing about um, medicine. So it kind of was a perfect mesh. So then I was on Eric Crocker's show and started diving into the injuries associated with the 49ers, which thankfully we didn't have too many this year until the Super Bowl. That's the part I can't get over. We'll talk about that later. And uh, so then I started my own podcast, Girlfriends in Football. And so, um, and have been on with you and Mariah on Two Goats. I think we determined I'm the lamb, you guys are the goats. So I'm you know, working my way. <laughs> I, I don't know who said that. We we definitely didn't say that, but I think it's three goats when, when you join, uh, you know, that show. But yeah, Desi, I'm excited to have you on this off season. Obviously love the expertise you bring when it comes to injuries, rehab, all of that. We'll definitely tap into that knowledge a number of times this off season, including later today at some point. And <laughs> You know, uh, of course, anytime that I can bring on, uh, you know, a fellow woman in this space to, to talk football, I, I love to do it. So definitely excited for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, with that, let's get into the, the topics, right? I mean, we heard yesterday from uh, Tim K from The Athletic that the 49ers are closing in on a defensive coordinator uh, candidate, his exact tweet read quote here the 49ers might be closing in on a dc not sure when there'll be an announcement but could be soon uh that came out tuesday and then wednesday earlier today just a few hours ago mike silver also 49ers beat reporter but also former nfl insider i suppose he still is an nfl insider that that doesn't really go away um he said in his tweet quote in NFL coaching circles, there's a belief that Kyle Shanahan is preparing to fill the 49ers' vacant D.C. opening from within. That said, this has been one of the most more secretive searches in recent memory. So until there's an announcement, feel free to dream those big dreams. End quote. Um, 
Man, Desi, like, there's a lot to unpack here, but at the same time, like, not much, right? Like, all it's saying is there could be something happening soon. It could be an internal candidate. All things we kind of already knew. But at the same time, I feel like it, it's gotten our minds wondering a bit. And I've seen a lot of people say, this makes me feel like it's an internal candidate. The fact that it's been so low-key and, and close to the vest, or it could be someone that's really close to Kyle Shanahan. Um, and I've even seen people say, this makes me feel like it's definitely an external candidate. So like all over the place, right? Desi, what, what do you kind of take from all this? And are you kind of leaning a certain way? Like it could be internal or external? So that's exactly what I was going to say. I've seen a lot of, oh, it's definitely got to be in, internal. And that's that was my gut reaction was this has got to come from within. That's the only way they can keep it so hush-hush in my mind. Like it's just so hard once you leave the building for things to stay so secretive. But like you said, I did see a lot of people that were like, well, then for sure it's a high profile person. And I'm like, for real? So I'm not quite sure which way to go with it. And Again, my gut reaction is I think I would love for something to come from within. We've had success with that. It is a good recipe. Why fix what's not broke? Well, it kind of is broke. That's why we're fixing it. But you know what I'm saying here. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. D'Amico worked out and Sala worked out. And so I, I just would love for it to be an internal candidate. That said, I do like if I really had to pick somebody outside of the building, I know it's far-fetched, but I just love me some Rex Ryan. I didn't used to like him, but I kind of like Rex. Okay. So uh, that's my two cents on all of that. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on on the candidates? I, I just want to know. At this point, know. I'm like, it's driving me insane. Right. Right. I mean, I definitely want to know, too. And I'm excited that it could be happening soon. I was hoping we would get some reports of at least who they're interested in who they're interviewing but you know it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case that does kind of give me the sense that it could be internal the reason that i've had skepticism about that though is because i mean they had the chance to bring in an internal or promote an internal candidate last off season when they had this role and they chose not to for whatever reason. Also, the bye week, you could have seen that as an opportunity to let go of Steve Wilkes then and there. That didn't happen. Obviously, if there was an internal candidate who they felt could be the interim defensive coordinator or be the coordinator of the future there, I think they would have made that move if they felt at that point that Steve Wilkes wasn't going to be the long-term option. So that's why I have some skepticism. But of course, like there, there are some names internally that I think make a lot of sense. And I actually, I did some sleuthing, right? So after Tim K came out with, uh, you know, his tweet saying that there could be a candidate soon, of course, he's getting a lot of questions of, oh, like, who do you think it could be? And he's like, well, I mentioned on my podcast, 49ers plus and minus podcast, mentioned a few names. I still think it'll be within those names. So I listened to the podcast and I did the work for you guys. Uh, <laughs> so you don't have to. These are some of the names that he mentioned in that episode. And as far as the external candidates go, uh, Marquand Manuel, he's the Jets safety coach right now. Chris Kiffin, he's the Texans linebackers coach right now. Uh, Jeff Ulbrick, who a lot of people are mentioning on the timeline as of the last two days, uh, Jets defensive coordinator. That one's a little more complicated. And Tim K did mention yes, it would be a lateral move 
Kinski, that's weird. Obviously, the Jets could block that move if they wanted to. I think he was just pointing out there would be some interest there. Um, and you see, there's a correlation also in some of the names that he mentioned, like uh, Marquand Manuel, uh, you know, Jets system. That's Robert Sala's system. That the Texans, same system as D'Amico. Like, it's all in the same tree, right? So I think kind of what you were saying, Desi, that internal candidates would make sense because it's part of the same tree. It's part of what is most familiar with them. I, I think that's why those names are being mentioned and why, why it makes a lot of sense. He also mentioned uh, Gus Bradley. Uh, of course, he did mention, like, the big names as well, the Bill Belichicks, the Pete Carrolls, but – he he said those names with more like skepticism of that actually like happening, including Brandon Staley, right? Who I, I know a lot of people are mentioning. There is the connection of Kyle Shanahan and Staley sharing an agent. So, I mean, that's also a possibility. But as far as the internal candidates, I mean, to me, these guys make a lot of sense. Like Nick Sorsen is the defensive pass game specialist. Uh, Daniel Bullock's defensive backs coach, Johnny Holland linebackers coach so as far as this list I like all the names honestly like I I think I'd feel comfortable with all these names and I think there needs to be an emphasis on someone Kyle Shanahan trusts and someone who has familiarity with the system that this defense is known and comfortable running yeah and I think Marquand Manuel he is um, someone that I mean he was with Kyle in Atlanta at one point as well. So, I mean, there's definitely familiarity there and that's got to be number one because Kyle is a, um, he's a certain type of coach that uh, you need to kind of know what you're getting into when you sign on. And I think that was part of the situation with Wilkes is, I I mean, when that was announced automatically, I was kind of like, is that really going to work only because I think, and it's the same reason why I don't love Pete Carroll or um, Belichick for this position either, even if that was, you know, real possibilities is when you're that much, when you're that tenured, when you have that much experience, you're under Kyle Shannon, you're used to doing things on your own and to now then be put under mm-hmm. a coach that is, may have, <laughs> I'm just going to say it this way, but trust issues, right? Like you're going to be kind of, um, under a microscope a bit, unless you are so aligned. And I just feel like that's like a needle in a haystack. So, Hey guys, appreciate all the love. Um, But I feel like of the list that you had for internal, I, I I really like Johnny Holland. I think just such a great job Mm -hmm. with our linebacker um, duo. It's one of the best in the NFL. And I feel like with Steve Wilkes, what he's done with our secondary has been so fantastic that if you bring in a coach that's overlooking all the defense and you've already got coached up in the backfield and the secondary, now you've got linebackers coach that's already, you know, set up Greenlaw and and Warner and, and, and those folks. I just think it's a good fit. I just think that that's, those are my two favorites of the list that you had up and still gonna, you know, and I brought up Rex Ryan because he interviewed or he talked to um, the Cowboys organization about, you know, being their defensive coordinator. And he came back and was like, oh, I love TV, whatever, whatever. But if the right situation came along, I mean, we were in the Super Bowl. So is that the right situation for Rex? And if it's outside the building, I mean, that's that's who I would 
of the outside candidates, big names, I still like Rex Ryan. I, I wouldn't hate that either. I think like I, I've mentioned it before. And so like apologies to my listeners if I'm like beating a dead horse here. But I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'd love if the 49ers can have a situation like the Chiefs have with Spags where it's like an older coach that you know isn't really going to go anywhere as far as like leaving for a head coaching role because they've been there and they've done that, but they're really great as coordinators and you know what you have with them. Uh, Like that would be ideal. Like if, if the 49ers can stop doing this year, every other year where they're looking for a new defensive coordinator, because let's face it, they already have a lot of, guys that get poached every single year the last thing you want is one other like a sure thing to leave every year every other year right so I feel like if they can get someone with that pedigree who isn't like you don't have to worry about leaving that often it would be so ideal for them so for that reason like yeah the Rex Ryan thing you know I I could be definitely swayed that way um but yeah I, I think definitely keeping things familiar keeping things linebacker friendly or or centric, I I should say is, is important and big for this team. And I'll also say, obviously the type of scheme is important. I know Kyle Shanahan said uh, like they're open to anything, but are the players like, is Nick Bosa, like Nick Bosa has said, he doesn't want to be in a three, four, Um, you know, he likes to have his hand in the dirt. And so you know, you got to make sure that you keep your players happy too and keep them in the roles that are most favorable to them too. So as far as expectation goes, I think they stick with a defensive coordinator who would keep the same scheme as well. Yeah, I think that's a better transition. And that was part of another, just another layer of the fracture that happened with Steve Wilkes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so we're going to keep on uh, waiting to to see what we can hear out of this defensive coordinator search again. Like I was hoping we'd get some little nuggets here and there that hasn't happened. So it seems like the next news we'll really hear is probably the hiring. Um, But yeah, I mean, with the draft approaching soon, it makes sense. The 49ers want to get this done uh, ASAP. And I'm, I've been impressed that it's it's happened so quietly and behind the scenes. Um, I just hope whoever is hired is is a good fit. But Desi, let's uh, switch the conversation over to uh, an offensive player here, one that's getting a lot of attention, you know, since the season ended, Brandon Ayuk. And the 49ers, you know, kind of big decision that they have to make, or at least that's what everyone is telling us, right? They have to make this tough decision of whether to trade him or extend him, which quite frankly, I I don't think the 49ers have even made that decision yet, but everyone's asking like it's a done deal. Um, So the reason for that is because we've seen a couple of national media guys suggest, as well as like Dan Graziano uh, from ESPN, give his opinion and you know again it's an opinion uh that he thinks the most likely scenario is Brandon Ayuk getting traded um now I just want to ask you Desi like what what do you think in all of this like do you see it as a possibility uh what do you think is the most likely scenario with Brandon Ayuk this offseason I I mean anything's a possibility in the NFL right like anything is but I feel like 
Brandon Ayuk is so valuable. He's young. Brock Purdy is young. We have yet to see a season where Brock Purdy and Brandon Ayuk have the off or the you know training camp together to really build that um, that time and, and really coalesce and get together and really have that connection. So I would be. I would be really shocked if it happens. I think that with Brock being such a strong pass, pocket passer, that it's only going to get better with Brandon Ayuk. And so I think they know that, yes, they're going <laughs> to, I know, they need to pay your goat. Um, and I, I support this. I do have concerns. We've had Debo get injured. Um, it's a lot of soft tissue, a lot of shoulder stuff this year. There's starting to be some cracks and dents. I love me some Debo. There's no one else like him in the NFL. But if I'm an owner and I'm looking, it's like I own two cars, right? My husband's car and my car. And one car is older than the other car. And you're like, okay, well, maybe we need to look at doing something with the older car. Um and that's, it's tough. You know, we're fans. We, we learn to love every player on the team. We make a connection. Mm -hmm. It's always hard to say goodbye, but, and I'm not saying to trade Debo right now. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I think if you're looking down the road at the future, we already have someone who knows the playbook, who understands what's required, understands how to operate in this offense, understands, um, you know, has a connection with his quarterback, has a connection with the, with the coach. I just, Plus, his mom's a Niners fan. Are we really talking like he's going to go somewhere? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm a boy mom. So I'm like, my kid's not going. No, I'm just kidding. But truly, I, I, I would be shocked if, if they don't keep him. Yeah, he can't break his, uh, his mom's heart like that. Like, <laughs> I mean, she has to have some say in the matter, I, I would think. You see <laughs> how excited she was when she met Brock Purdy? Like, no, he's not going to hurt his mom like that. Like, that's. So that's, I'm running on that guys. That's what I'm standing on right now. His mom. Yeah. That, that's part <laughs> of the decision for sure. I mean, as, it, and I'm glad you bring that up because it is kind of a two way street here when it comes to these negotiations on extensions, the player has to want to be there too. Right. Um, and so the question is, is Brandon Ayuk unhappy with his role? Does he feel like he can, you know, be, I guess a bigger guy in another offense uh, a main guy in in another offense uh that would better suit him where he's gonna get peppered with targets more so than he is in san francisco um you know can another team pay him what he's wanting which you know we don't know those details yet right none of that has really come out but you know just early on speculating on on what he may want can the 49ers afford that all those things right yeah. come into play and on the other side for the 49ers, they have to also decide, okay, based on his asking price, can we actually afford to do this? Like, I think from the 49ers standpoint, obviously you would want a guy like Brandon Ayuk to remain on your team for the obvious reasons and uh, that you just touched on Desi, but and sometimes it's not always that simple. And and yeah, it is a, is it is a two way street. So I guess from the standpoint of like Brandon Ayuk, like, do you get the sense that he's unhappy at all? I know we saw like his best friend or brother, whoever that was, who like, you know, kind of mentioned that this is why we want to leave San Francisco. And then his partner, you know, going on social media to kind of give similar thoughts as well. Like, 
Do you think that's coming from Ayuk, or is that just how they feel and they're putting it out there? Um, it, it's just bad vibes, right? I just feel like when you lose a Super Bowl, like everything just is worse, right? Like nothing, like who's going to be happy after that? Like even some of the performances in the playoffs, right? You didn't have great production in the first half of, you know, the game against the um, the Lions. So it's like, why would, and you know, you're a productive player and maybe the game plan was more, you know, focused on Christian McCaffrey. Maybe it was more focused on Debo. Yes, he's a tremendous talent. He could do better as far as getting more talent, uh, uh, getting more shots his way, building up his stats and his his resume, so to speak. Yes, that's all possible. Um, but I think he loves the brothers he's played with this year, right? Like, I feel like it is a tr- it was just a fantastic team. And so it's like any other job. How many of us love the people we work with, but maybe the hours suck, or maybe it's too far of a drive, or like, you know, there's going to be little things in here. I think ultimately it's the game. It's the game of negotiations and contracts. And mm-hmm. I don't hate that. He's got to make his money. He for sure is deserving of a lot of money. And all that to say, I did start to think about, cause that's my gut reaction is like, they're going to pay Ayuk, right? That was the same thing with Nick Bosa. I was like, come on, stop playing. They're going to pay Nick Bosa. And, you know, even when Debo's contract, like there's no way they're letting Debo go. But to your point, like, I don't know what the numbers look like to say, yes, that's a possibility for them. So the other thought that I had was Jawan Jennings played his tail off. So Mm -hmm. it is possible that they say, hey, we need to find, you know, this, this and this resources are more important. And so ultimately we do have to trade Brandon Ayuk, get some picks in the draft, clear up some space. And maybe Jawan Jennings is now, you know, wide receiver number two instead of number three. So that's a thought. That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. So yeah, kind of like what, what Callie says here, like Ayuk obviously is your most complete receiver. I do agree. Like Juwan Jennings, he, he worked his way up to getting seen, not just by 49er fans, but like, I think national media, national fans as well, other teams, um, so there's definitely eyes on Juwan Jennings and what the 49ers are going to do with him, especially like him being able to block the way he does is a plus for, for any team. There's not a, a lot of wide receiver threes that can block as good as Juwan Jennings. He might be the best in the league at that in his current role. Um, slash tight so end. That's, that's part of <laughs> yeah, then throw that in there too um and so it I, that's part of the decision too because i think he's a restricted free agent juan jennings is and so they're gonna put a tender on him i think the most likely tender they put on jennings i i'd go as high as second second round tender um and i i don't know how much uh salary is attached to that like I don't know if we have those numbers yet I don't think we do um but if I had a guess right now not knowing the numbers that they would you know be tied to Juwan Jennings and having to pay him uh with the second round tender I think that's what they choose um and that probably ensures that you still get to keep him uh, at least for another year 
say this because I was looking at the contract situation for Brandon Ayuk as well. I know other people have pointed this out, and this is just a common thing when it comes to like contracts. You can get away with paying an extended player less in that first year because then you kind of stagger it out, um, and it you know the each year the cap number grows for that said player. So right now. 2024, his uh, salary is at 14 million, a little over 14 million. That's his cap hit for the year. Uh, they can probably get that down, you know, with an extension for 2024. That then gives them some flexibility, at least for this season, to be able to, you know, make other moves. So there's some benefit to it too. Um, and you know, the 49ers are really good at kind of, you know finagling their way into fitting all of these guys into you know their cap situation uh and i also want to look at debo's contract because look if you want to say trade brandon Ayuk, i mean we got to talk about debo's contract too because in my mind that's the one that's maybe the most i'll say this it's it's less tradable it's definitely less tradable uh such a large number like in 2024 his cap hit is 28 million um if he is traded before june 1st the 49ers only get 6.8 million dollars worth of cap savings so that doesn't really seem worth it they would still be on the hook for 21.7 almost 21.8 million um if they trade them like you know before june versus now we're talking um you know, trade deadline in the season, if they look at a trade, then it makes a little more sense because then they can save $21 million, uh in the cap in that case. So honestly, that's something I would look at. But if Debo's not really the same asset as Brandon Ayuk. No, two very different players. Yep. And for the reasons you mentioned, Desi, like – let's talk about the injury stuff because Devo has, he's dealt with some injuries just given the nature of his, you know, how physical he is on the field. Bad stuff's going to catch up. We all kind of knew, you know, it would, if anything, it would only get worse with time. Right. So how do you feel like the injuries that he had this season in, or 2023 season, are those that put him at risk for like continued injuries? down the line well a lot of it's soft tissue other than the fracture he had this year in this in the shoulder a lot of it's soft tissue but it seems to be like the same recurrent soft tissue stuff so like hamstring hamstrings hamstring even two years ago there was a lot of hamstrings and missed games here and there and um and it's so interesting to me that people talk about christian mccaffrey's injuries and when that trade happened and i looked at his injury his injury history it really was just one year out of every year he's played, you yeah. know, it was one year and it was on that wonky 2020 year where no one had a preseason and there was a ton of increase of injuries in the first month and month and a half, two months of the NFL. So he kind of fell into that and that was just kind of the year. But if you look at how he moves, his flexibility, his movement patterns, I I just felt very confident about that trade that, hey, we're this could be really, really good. But then you look at Debo and Debo has almost a similar 
injuries that Christian McCaffrey had just in terms of soft tissue. And the thing is, is like if you have a small tear, say in the hamstring, what fills in is scar tissue. And that's not, you know, that's not very real flexible. So the risk of re-injuring happens if you don't properly warm up and train and all the things. And so I think it's, I would expect again, another year of little dinks and dings and soft tissue here, soft tissue there. Um, and do those times happen in the, in the regular season where maybe it doesn't really affect you, but will it happen in the postseason when we really rely so much on him? It'd be one thing if he wasn't such a main, I, I call him a pillar, one of the main pillars of our offense. And so that's yeah. kind of the, that's the thought there. I don't know how to quantify that in terms of looking at when do you feel like a trade, a, a trade is eminent or something like that. So, but something to keep an eye on and definitely something to consider. That's part of the tough thing, right? Like obviously Debo brings his own value to the team. One that's like, like you said, they're different players. Like, so it's vastly different value than Ayuk brings. Again, Ayuk more of the traditional receiver. Debo can do a little of everything as far as that wide back, you know, role that he has. And also like, I do appreciate the fact that Debo can kind of, turn a game on a dime like I mean he he can just kind of call his number like that and that's cool to have on your team as well uh and that has helped them several points in the 2023 season but I don't know if that's worth 28 you know million dollars like that's that's what I keep going back to and and why like I that number makes me uncomfortable (laughs) you know when it comes to Debo it's like I would love to have him on the team. I, I would love to, you know, I don't know, just I, I wouldn't want to trade him. It, it has nothing to do with like a disdain that I have for Debo. It's just that number is, is a little too, that's top 10 wide receiver money. And at the time, you know, it made sense because of the, you know, the market and all that and in order to keep him, but it all came down to this year coming up, 2024, is when he's getting that big chunk. And I don't know if the 49ers look to restructure it. Or that's maybe something they can do, kick the can down the road, as they have been doing. There are some risks associated with that as well. He'll catch up uh, with you. <laughs> yeah. So there, there are – there's a – if you guys saw when I was sharing the screen, uh, showing Debo's contract, he has an out in his contract for after 2025, I believe, or at 2025, which makes sense because that's when a lot of contracts are kind of up for the 49ers. And they, you think there's a lot of tough decisions to be made now, uh, wait till next season. And then we'll, we'll also be talking about Brock Purdy's uh, extension at that point too. So a lot of decisions for the 49ers in terms of like their receivers and like their offense as a whole, their entire team as a whole. Um, And one player that I wanted to talk about is Dre Greenlaw because, you know, we unfortunately saw him tear his AC or sorry, uh, tear his uh, Achilles Achilles. in the Super Bowl. Uh, He had been dealing with the Achilles tendonitis, you know, earlier in the season. Uh, At first, Desi, let me ask you this. Like the fact that he was dealing with the Achilles tendonitis, obviously like that put him at some risk, uh, you know, to have this happen. 
do you feel like this was kind of inevitable uh, for him, given him dealing with that? It's always a possibility. It just depends on what what's being done, how much they're, you know, we were in a lot of situations depending on him in, in, in certain games and you want him in the game. So there's always pros and cons to putting a, an injured player out there. You do your best to, to not, but Achilles is just one of those nagging injuries that will stick with you. And there's days that you're going to be like, okay, it feels pretty good. And you might try to push it. And then it's like, Oh, Nope, I'm, I'm <laughs> shouldn't have done that. And it's just one of those unfortunate things, but I will tell you other than Navarro Bowman's injury, there has never been an injury that I've watched during a football game with my 49ers that hurt my heart as much as that injury did Navarro Bowman and Dre Greenlaw. And I think when you get the mic'd up version, like my heart broke three times more, like hearing the no, like the hearing just, I I don't even know that I can honestly talk about it. It's just so heart wrenching, but he did already have surgery. It was a full thickness tear, which most of them are when you see an injury like that. Um, I, and you know, I can't find any details on the surgery in terms of, did he have a surgery similar to what Aaron Rodgers had where they had this augmented special suture ability um, during the repair or not. And I was talking to on, on my podcast, um, my co-host is a physical therapist. And so we were talking about the possibilities for rehab and return to sport Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could be, you know, six months if he had something maybe like Aaron Rodgers. But my gut when it happened and just also taking into consideration when you have something that's chronically inflamed, sometimes the tissue is a little um, it's not in the best condition. So you're dealing with that in a repair. So I just kind of feel like if we're going to see him, I wouldn't expect to see him until around November is my gut. Um, that's knowing nothing. So this is just a random like bet in Vegas almost because I know nothing about the repair. I know nothing about where the, 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 the tear happened. I know nothing about, you know, his history with that Achilles or anything like that, but that's my gut is saying that he probably won't be back until around November could be the whole season. So I get excited hearing right. of these rumors about maybe Aziz coming back because I did love seeing him unsuited, but in the huddle during the postseason with mm-hmm. the guys. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I think that that's what we feared, right? Like literally that's like the worst case scenario for one, like one of your star players getting hurt in the middle of, a Super Bowl, where I thought he was playing a phenomenal game, right? Um, and I think, like, also in the back of our minds, we're thinking this is bad because it's February and this has implications not just for this one game, but, you know, for next season as well. And like you said, there's also that possibility of missing most of, if not all, of next season. So that's definitely a concern for me because he's such a huge part of what the 49ers do on defense alongside uh, Fred Warner. It like, I mean, you saw how much it impacted Fred Warner to, to see, you know, Greenlaw's injury and he just looked gutted after that. And I don't like, 
I'm not sure if he's even the same player without Greenlaw. I mean, like Fred has said that, and I know players say that, but it's different, right? When when it comes from the actual like player, and I, I think we see it too. It's the energy thing that Greenlaw brings uh, to the team and and to the linebacker group. So he's definitely going to be missed. So the 49ers have to make a decision there because, I mean. D. Winters, I don't know if he's ready. They had Oren Burks, who, you know, filled in as well. Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, who I believe Flanagan Fowles is a free agent. Um, so, like, they have a lot of decisions to make around the linebacker group outside of, obviously, you know, Fred, um, who's going to be the only mainstay. So I don't know what they do. I mean, do they look to the draft? Do they look to free agents? I love the Aziz, you know, idea just because he's he's been here before. He's shown, obviously, the reason that he left in the first place was because he felt he can be the Dre Greenlaw for another team, right? Um, obviously, wouldn't be with the 49ers because the 49ers had Dre Greenlaw and Fred already, but he wanted a larger role. It makes a lot of sense. He, he's talented enough. So would he come back for a one-year deal? I you know I don't know. Uh, uh, but if the 49ers can swing that, I I would love it. Um, I'm sure all of the other Kyle Shanahan defensive coordinator disciples will have an eye on him too. So that's that's the other thing they'll be competing for him. But uh, it's that's going to be a big loss for this defense I think and you know whoever becomes a defensive coordinator for the team uh, they'll have to work around that as well and I'm sure the 49ers are already like thinking of how to work around that this offseason either again through the draft or free agency. Yeah I was going to ask you because I know you've been paying attention a lot more to all these kids that are coming up into the league from college, what does it look like from the linebacker position? Um, I mean, honestly, like I hadn't really dived into the linebackers a whole lot. And now after, you know, the green law thing, it's like, <laughs> damn, like might might really have to, cause I, I did like the guys that the 49ers drafted, you know, in the last draft, uh, D winters and uh, God, who's the other guy. Um, his name is escaping me right now. Um, oh my god! Uh, sorry, his name his name escaped me. But uh, those two guys, I just don't know if they're ready, like to be that <laughs> fill that role, you know? Because because Greenlaw was just so good. Uh, you can't replace a Dre a Greenlaw. You just can't. I mean, I mean he's a beast. I guess trying is like not even <laughs> like there's there's no other Drake Greenlaw and there's not going to be in in the draft especially not in like the first year right like guys have to work up to that. Um, so there's there's a couple of linebackers that, like I've mentioned Cedric Gray. Uh, I think if John Lynch does love him. Uh, that could be a possibility. We'll see how he does in in the combine and all that because he will be out there um, and. I'm curious to see or, or know if, if he meets with the 49ers when he's there because um, that could give us an indication of some interest too. Uh, but, yeah, I'll really have to start diving into uh, some of the – Jalen Graham. Jalen Graham. Graham is the other guy 
um, who the 49ers drafted uh, last offseason. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's other guys. Like, I think it's uh, Tyrese Knight is, is the other guy that I think he was at the Senior Bowl, and he he's awesome, too, from the clips that I've seen. So, I mean, I have to – continue to dig on linebackers, I guess. But yeah, that's the decision that the 49ers have to make coming up. Uh, lots of decisions for the 49ers coming up. Uh, I just think about yeah. how hyped he was in the beginning, like in the game, like he was just on it. And so I'm sorry, guys. I'm just, again, I can't, he was having, he, I'm not he sure was, I can talk about it. <laughs> he was having the game of his life. No, it, like it really sucked, especially seeing like for some reason seeing Fred's reaction like made me even more sad because yes, um, yeah, I think it impacted the defense in 100%. a big way. Hundred <sighs> percent. So anyway, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to keep an eye on, you know, in these coming weeks and. Like I said, Desi's going to join me here on 49 Carrots every Wednesday this offseason to talk all about the topics and all these, you know, little decisions that the 49ers have to make, which are actually big decisions, and, you know, give our thoughts on them. Desi, thank you so much for the first show. Uh, I hope you had fun, uh, and we'll, we'll keep it going all this offseason. Make sure you guys like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Not just mine, but Desi's as well. Uh, actually, Desi, like, let the people know where they can find you. So I am on Twitter. It's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> Coach underscore Desi. I'm also on YouTube as Coach Desi, but uh, really Girlfriends of Football. Check out that channel there. Get some information from my co-hosts, um, Sherry and Beth. Again, Beth is a physical therapist, so we do talk about injuries on there periodically. We do have some other fun things coming down the road on the offseason, so definitely check that out. And I like to end on a positive. So since we were talking about Dre Greenlaw's injury, we're going to end with Niners, Faithful. We have an offseason and a training camp to look forward to with a quarterback. There we go. There we go. And I, I don't think we're talking about that enough. Like, I think we That's have the saying. guy. We have, we have the, the guy. guy. I, yeah. And he's a and baby people still. still. Right. People still talking about Kirk Cousins. Please stop that. No. Yes. Absolutely not. That's not happening. 49ers have the guy. Kyle Shanahan loves him. We love him too. So I like that positive. I, I like ending on a positive note. Um, I'll be going live with Mariah tomorrow uh, for our show, 3 p.m. Pacific. And then actually in a couple minutes here, I'm going to be going live with a pair of prospect spotlights. First one is BYU running back Aiden Robbins. Uh, so make sure you tune into that. Audio listeners, you guys are probably like, what? I, I haven't heard of these prospect spotlights. It's on YouTube. So uh, make sure you guys check that out on YouTube, hit that notification bell. So you guys know when I go live, but for now, I'll see you guys in a bit, but for now, have a good rest of your Wednesday. Peace.